0: Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This season, Pastor Jim will be mining the treasures of the gospel from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Each week, Jim will walk through one of six chapters, giving around 15 minutes of reflection each day, Monday through Friday. We pray this study of the timeless truth of God's Word will equip and encourage you. If you'd like to learn more about The Village Chapel or find more resources like this one, visit thevillagechapel.com. Now here's Pastor Jim. Good day, folks,
1: Pastor Jim Thomas from The Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee. One of the reasons I love to study the Bible is because it's unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. I find the Bible helps me manage some of the very biggest questions in life, like who am I? Who is God? Is there a God? Does God exist? If there is a God that does exist, what is that God like? Um, What does it mean when when the Bible or Christian faith talks about the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Trinity, if you will, a word itself that never actually shows up in the Bible, but what does that mean that we believe God is three, yet one. And what is God's purpose for us in life? Um, what is it that God is doing with his creation and with us specifically? And do our lives have any meaning, hope, or purpose whatsoever, any kind of destiny? These are questions that we've wrestled with for a long, long time. And I'm so excited that over the next six weeks, we'll be finding some really meaningful answers from the ancient letter to the Ephesians, written by the Apostle Paul. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up. Just going to look at two verses today, a little bit of an introduction, if you will, to the letter of Paul, the Apostle to the Ephesians. Let me read these first two verses. It just, he launches right in, identifies himself clearly as the the writer, the author of the letter, and even talks a bit about who he's writing to. And it's very clear. I love uh, the way the entire letter of Ephesians has been called concise yet comprehensive, um, that it is filled and overflows with wonder that leads us to worship. indeed, I believe that's true, and I hope you'll find it to be true as we study together for fifteen minutes each day. Here's how it begins Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's all I really wanna to read today and I wanna give you a little bit of a background if you don't mind. I think it'll help enrich your experience of studying this uh, this uh, ancient letter with me, walking through Ephesians as we will be. Um, the city of Ephesus sits where today we would call it Turkey they called it Asia Minor back then, and Ephesus is really one of the the greatest archaeological finds uh, of biblical history in that you have uh some really well preserved ruins there's the the ruins of a library of celsus from the second century the ruins of a Basilica uh, of St. John from the 6th century, Um, the earliest known mentions of the Temple of Artemis, or um, the Roman counterpart to this Greek goddess Artemis, the Roman counterpart was called Diana, and the uh, earliest known mentions of the Temple to Artemis, which was really one of the seven wonders of the world at one point, um, that goes all the way back to the Bronze Age, uh, which would have been in world history. That would have been uh, uh, 3,300 BC to about 1,200 BC, and um, the Temple of Artemis was was built, destroyed, rebuilt, destroyed, probably seven different times. And there's a there's a photograph in the show notes of just what's left of it. Just looks like about one and a half columns. Uh, from the Temple of Artemis. There's also um, the facade of the second-century Temple of Hadrian. This was uh, dedicated to the Roman emperor who demanded that he be worshipped as a god, as a deity, if you will. Uh, he ruled the Roman Empire in 117 to 138 AD, and um, these these Roman emperors were just, you know, if, if if you think we ever had any kind of preachers or politicians that were narcissists. Uh, that thought the entire world and the, you know, revolved around them. You have not met any of the Roman emperors. They, they had, they had all of our narcissism beat. Um, there's also, uh, uh, an ancient theater there and the ruins of it, um, in Ephesus that are just amazing because we, we know the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 18 and 19 in his second and third missionary journeys visited the city of Ephesus. And in that uh, third missionary journey, um, he's actually dragged into the amphitheater there. And the crowds are just yelling, you know, screaming and hollering. They're just bloodthirsty. They want him taken out. And um, that very uh, amphitheater, that very theater is right there with the street leading up to it in the ancient ruins of Ephesus. Well, what about the book? Let's talk about the letter uh, to the Ephesians by the Apostle Paul. Just a a couple of uh, highlights as we've already read the first two verses, you already have heard those, but I want to pick them apart in just a minute. Um, first thing, though, is to let you know that the book overall, really thematically, it divides so beautifully right in half. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 um, really overflow with the beliefs of Christian faith, uh, with, with doctrine, you might call it, or indicatives. The um, indicatives are this indicates what is true, what we believe, the contents, if you will of uh the christian faith i think the, the first three chapters talk about our spiritual wealth in christ um what christ has done and so the the second four set of uh, of three chapters chapters four five and six um really, it, it it turns in another direction. Instead of beliefs, it's more about the behavior of the Christian. Instead of doctrine, it's more about the practice of the Christian faith. Instead of indicatives, it's more imperatives. This is what, if you believe these indicatives to be true, this is what it looks like as it rolls out in your everyday practical life. And so the wealth, the spiritual wealth that we find in Christ, our life in Christ, all of a sudden we have this spiritual wealth walking itself out in our relationships, in the way we work, in the way that we are fathers and mothers and children and brothers and sisters and all of that. And um, instead of, uh, whereas the first three chapters are all about what Christ has done for us and on our behalf, um, the last three chapters, four, five, and six, are about our response to Christ. As a matter of fact, This term, in Christ itself, shows up in the letter to the Ephesians 13 times. It's a big theme for the Apostle Paul. Um, He used it in these first two verses. I'll I'll go back and uh, refer to that in just a second. But in Christ, 13 times in Ephesians, and if you add in the in hymns, which are really another way of saying the same thing, just a a pronoun, um, are, are referring to Christ. Again, there's another eight of those. So 21 times in the letter of the Ephesians, there's this reference to you and to me who are believers in Jesus being in Christ, united with Christ. And indeed, throughout the New Testament, this is a repeating theme. Um, 164 times, I believe, in all of the material that we call the New Testament, the believers are referred to as being united with Christ or in union with Christ. This is Massive. It's so unique about the Christian faith. So even today, no matter what's going on in your life, what's going on in my life, we are living in union with Christ. And that should transform the way we think about even the most mundane parts of our lives because we are living in union with Jesus. We carry him everywhere we go, and he comes with us everywhere we go. Chapter one has 10 of the um, total 21 references to being in Christ in the book of Ephesians. So chapter one, this week alone, we'll hit that at least 10 different times. I'm not gonna stop and point them all out to you. I just want you to know that was such a big and important theme. Also chapter one is a has a real Trinitarian focus. So, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, you know, uh, most Christians are um, Trinitarian in their view. That is, they uh, they believe that the Lord, who reveals Himself in Scriptures, um, reveals Himself as three in one, three personalities, one in essence: God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what we have, even in Chapter One, and we'll 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 stop at each one of these. Uh, Uh, sections that, that feature the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we've got, we've got 15 minutes in each of those this week alone. But here's the, here's the Father in verses three to six. Here's the Father choosing and calling you, choosing and calling me. Here's the Son in verses seven through 12, saving and redeeming us. And here's the Holy Spirit sanctifying and sealing us in verses 13 and 14. So this is just, and then on Friday, I can't wait for Friday because it's gonna be, we're gonna take a look at the the prayer of the Apostle Paul, one of his prayers that we have recorded in these letters uh, where he's praying for the believers. And yes, I know he's praying for the original readers of this letter, but by extension, he's praying for you and he's praying for me as well. What do you think the Apostle Paul would be praying for us about? Um, uh, We all tend to, you know, uh, with our prayers. We're often trying to bend God's will to ours to get God to give us what we want, when we want it, and all that sort of thing. And we're going to learn a lot about prayer uh, just by studying the Apostle Paul's prayer for us, uh, for the believer. And and I'm I'm hoping and praying that you're a believer as well. So that's what we're going to look at, and that's what we're going to do for the next six weeks. And I'm so glad you're joining me. Let's look at these first two verses. Paul An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That's as it begins right there. There's so much there. He used to be called Saul. Most of you will uh, remember that from the book of Acts. When he was called Saul, that was his Hebrew name. Paul, his Latin name. And throughout the Roman Empire, you you at the in the uh, times of the New Testament, you have these uh, sort of contexts, if you will, these these uh, different. Uh, context, the religious context for the New Testament is Jewish. It's got a Jewish background. And yet it's, it's, you know, the gospel is going forward out into Gentile territory. And Praise the Lord! I'm glad of that because I'm a recipient of that now and a beneficiary of the fact that the gospel uh, headed west as it did, and the Apostle Paul, indeed, one of the ones that carried it uh, on those uh, those early years of its, of the gospel spreading. Um, so the context on the religious level, anyway, is uh, is Jewish, but on the move, you know, and and uh, and it's the Christian faith sweeps the mighty Roman Empire without drawing a sword or, or or without shooting a bow and arrow at all and uh, it's because of this message. Uh, the 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 message of the you know the the crucified Christ who rose again from the grave ascended back into heaven and whose promised return is going to come and set things right such a hope filled message in such dark and confusing times as the Roman Empire uh, would have been for those who were believers and of course we have our own darkness and our own struggles in our own day and time but that's one of the reasons why we find the timeless. Uh, uh, and timelessly relevant uh, message of the gospel here in uh, books like Ephesians. The other two contexts we have the social or the cultural context, which was Greek, and this is leftovers from the the Greek Empire that preceded the Roman Empire. So a lot of people are um, Greek in culture as the uh, uh, as, as the gospel spreads toward the toward the West. A lot of folks would have been speaking Koine Greek. Um, there would be lots of uh, uh, um, architecture and art and uh, cultural um, context being very much a Greek thing. And then the political um, context for the New Testament would be Roman. this is the Roman Empire. So we have the you know the Roman emperors like uh, Nero at the time of this writing would have been the emperor and um, uh, and they' you know b- because of their, uh, uh, control and they're wanting to maintain the the flow of money coming to the empire. They allowed for some expression of other religions from time to time, but then they moved in and out of these seasons where the Romans, the Roman emperors, in the first couple hundred years of the church, as the gospel was spreading, the Roman emperors would demand worship, and so for you to come along and to. Uh, to say that, you know, Jesus is Lord instead of Caesar is Lord. You could be taking your life into your own hands. Well, Paul begins by saying he's, he, he's, he's very clear. He knows the answer to the question, who am I? He says, I am Paul. And what am I? He knows the answer to that one too. An apostle. That's a, a sent one. And in his particular case, it was such a miraculous beginning for him. I mean, he was chosen, he was called, and he was sent. All We read about all of that in the early chapters of uh, of the book of Acts, the road to Damascus experience for the apostle Paul, who was then Saul. He was persecuting Christians, and Jesus appeared to him, and Jesus took a persecutor persecutor and turned him into a missionary. So really powerful. And it's by the will of God. I wonder who you might think of. Uh, yourself to be by the will of God? Who am I by the will of God? Am am I finding my identity in the will of God? And I love that, this this man, Paul, knows who he is. He knows who he belongs to. Um, There's no sense of confusion about his identity whatsoever. And I find that attractive in the day and age in which we live. He's an apostle, Uh, he's chosen, called, and sent by Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus. And I love that, not just the church people, the saints. You're a saint if you've trusted Christ as your savior. You're set apart to join the Lord in his mission in this world. And so he's writing to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. They literally have two addresses, don't they? They're at Ephesus, but they're in Christ Jesus. And remember, I said that's gonna be a repeating theme and that's for you as well. I'm, I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee as I'm recording this. I'm at Nashville, but I'm in Christ. And no matter where I go at Nashville or in Nashville or throughout Nashville or throughout the state of Tennessee or the United States or around the world, I'm always in Christ Jesus. And you, if you've trusted Christ as your savior, the same thing is true of you as well. Verse two, grace to you and peace. I love that. That's so, that's so common from the letters of Paul. Grace precedes peace. As you experience God's grace, you'll come to know God's peace. And it comes from God our Father. It doesn't come from me trying to, you know, toughen up or steal myself or Pick myself up on my bootstraps or whatever. None of that. No, it's a gift from God, just like my identity is a gift from God. I don't have to struggle to find it. He's already given it to me and it's already a, a, a gift from Him to me. And the same thing is true for you as well. His peace, He wants to give you by His grace. That is, you didn't, you can't demand it. You can't, you can't buy it. It's given to you as a gift. And I love that. And it comes from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, this one who we are in, the one who we live in union with. Well, my time is out for today, but I'm really excited. I hope you'll read ahead. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll look at verses 3 through 6. And we'll talk about God the Father, his uh, uh, choosing us and calling us. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for my friends that have uh, joined me today. Pray that you'd be with each and every one of us and that, Lord, we would be with you. Remind us of the uh, wonderful spiritual wealth we have living in union with Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that uh, every single place we go, every encounter we have today, we'll be mindful of your presence in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
0: God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our TVC Resources newsletter or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website thevillagechapel.com